Yeah, baby. We are back. Welcome to You Don't Look Like a Therapist with myself, Mitchell Paulson, licensed professional clinical counselor, private practice therapy owner, Denver, Colorado, St. Paul, Minnesota, season two. Sorry, it's taken me a while to get to you guys. I know I said that when I introduced season two, but life gets busy, shit happens, and it takes a while. But anyways, we're here tonight. We're back. Thank you guys for joining me. Back with one of my best friends and one of my favorite guests and someone who's essentially going to become a co-host because he's going to be on a bunch moving forward. It's my man, JoJo, Joe Lilly. Let's give him a big hand if you're watching or if you're listening on Spotify or YouTube or Audible or anywhere else. My man, JoJo, is back. JoJo, how we doing? How you doing tonight? Far too kind, man. You know, when you say that you're coming from Colorado, I, I kind of feel like this tinge of... Uh, uh, imposter syndrome and anxiety like oh my gosh hey it's jojo he's from iowa <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he, in the countryside of iowa he, it's super fun he lives on the mighty miss it's awesome <laughs> <laughs> exactly dude how are things man it's mid-may is it nice back there i haven't been home in a while yes. now i've been to iowa and even longer so how are things it's you know it's classic midwest weather you're you're not missing anything it's up it's down finally today it felt like may and it was nice. I think I think probably for everybody's mental health, it was probably yeah, a dude. great time to say, okay, it's eighty-one degrees daytime at night. It's it's uh, high sixties. Felt great. Just starting to feel like regular life right now. So it's good, dude. I'm gonna tell you something, Joe. I'm gonna tell you something right now. And everybody who's listening or watching, you guys need to know that I'm a little bit grouchy coming into this episode tonight. There's three reasons for that, okay? <laughs> three reasons that your boy is a little grouchy tonight. And I know that you guys are probably like, dude, get off the air, quit bitching. But it's true. So the first one is this. We're talking about the weather. It's currently like 55 degrees and raining in Denver. Uh, it's been raining all day. Last night I was driving in my Jeep. Mega hail smashes the shit out of my Jeep. And so it's beautiful back home. I moved to Colorado, and guess what? It's fucking <laughs> 50 degrees and shitty. So this is awesome. I'm really glad you're here. It's so nice. Back it's home, finally. Hey, hey, hey. Well, take it easy, man. It's finally beautiful. It's finally, I got a little it's finally, I just, know. Just, I'm just, mad about just, the just, you know, pump the brakes a little bit. You can you can ski when it's beautiful outside or snowboard. You can get the sun burning the back of your head if you want. We deal. You, you know how it is in Midwest. It's terrible for the most part. You never know what you're going to get. So, I, you know, I hear your I, I hear your pity story, but... Yeah, <laughs> it's true. And we love the Midwest. So I know we bitch about it, but it's yeah. good. Second reason that I'm that I'm grouchy tonight. <laughs> so anybody watching, I sent Joe the link to get into the episode like an hour and a half ago. And he's like, yeah, dude, I'll be on in five minutes. So I crack a beer, having a great time hanging out. No, Joe. Five minutes pass. Ten minutes pass. Twenty minutes pass. No, Joe. My beer is almost gone. I'm on to the next one. It's warm. And finally, I get it. I'm like, dude, where are you at? And JoJo is lost in cyberspace. He's on the line somewhere and totally gone. And so we're a little bit late getting this thing started. My beer is a little bit warm. I had to get on to my second one. And it got me a little grouchy, JoJo, but seeing your face, I immediately perked back up in here. Well, hey, likewise, man. Well, you sent me to a, a dead zone. I don't even know where the hell I went. It was like it said episode three. I thought we're doing episode two, and uh, but now we figured it out. I text you after, after I, sat in, I, I looked at nothing for a good fifteen minutes. <laughs> just sat in the basement waiting, and uh, now we're good now. <laughs> Yeah, dude, I love it. We're going to talk about the dungeon that you're in right at some point tonight, too, but I, I love well, that. Some good memorabilia behind me, some good hardware. The third, 
Third reason I'm crabby tonight. And this also goes to the weather. So I don't know. I don't know what it is. So Joe, you've been to my apartment before. So I, for some reason with the humidity or the rain or something today, I walk into my apartment and, and the fuck, the apartment smells like I have a dog <laughs> and I don't. <laughs> And I cannot get rid of the fucking smell of dog in my apartment. I've done everything. I've breezed. I've put some shit on the ground. I can't get rid of it. It's driving me absolutely nuts. <laughs> and I don't know what to do. And so, like, I just want to get out of this apartment right now and get some fresh air. But it's raining out. So I'm just stuck inside an apartment that smells like a wet dog. And I don't have a dog, Joe. So that's the third reason that I was crabby coming into <laughs> to this session today. Well, hey, man, if it makes you feel better. Okay, so when you, as we all progress through life and we get a little bit older, I got really excited. I was going to work on our, our bathroom. We, we like, our bathroom is super out of date, right? And so there's... Hold on. How many people do you think we've already lost from, like, oh, middle they're, age? They're, they're done. They're done. They're done. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Smells like dog, bathroom remodel. What a bunch of idiots. I'm done. No, no, no. Yes. Dude, this is really good dude, shit. I tell you. No, what. no. It, it's going to get real good. But to the point of the smells, okay? So, I, you know, there's this stuff that you finish your tiles and your tub, you refinish it with. And I, I might have lost five years of my life doing this. Like the smell of that, <laughs> that chemical. And in this bathroom, there's no window. There's no, there's no. So I'm just <laughs> blowing a fan in, you know, blowing the chemicals right at <laughs> my nose. You know, so I am, I'm probably not even, you know, half a person. I'm not even myself, just high as a kite. Um, Those years I'm that you lost him. on the end. Yeah, it's so what, yeah, it's what a, dog, it's what dog, chemical smell coming out of your bathroom a week later, whatever. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait, Joe, you're doing, you're actually doing a home improvement project yourself? I, well, YouTube helps. Yeah. But, you know, okay. you know, I'm, I'm becoming a man, becoming a big boy. That's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. That is unbelievable. I didn't know you had it in you. I've watched you try to do some shit. We tried to hang posters in our old apartment. <laughs> well, yeah, well, you know, and we didn't do well. <laughs> when, we, when we flush a new toilet and feces comes out the bottom of the basement, then we'll know I, I, that's probably my worst. Right. <laughs> it's not good. Then you did great. Did awesome. yep, good job. It's all trapped in the floorboards. <laughs> you have to call in your old man, your pops to help you out with it. It'll be fun. Yeah, he'll, he'll swear at me and call me an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Jojo, what are you drinking over there tonight, man? I'm on to my second. I'm drinking a, a classic, one of our favorites back home. Lining Kugels, Summer Shandy. We love it. They have Summer Shandy. They have, what was it? Wheat, right? What was the wheat? Sunset wheat. Come on, wheat. Sunset wheat. We used to, we used to love that. Yep. All the good ones. Berry Vice, all these. But I'm back to a classic Shandy. I saw it in the liquor store the other day. I'm like, man, it feels like home. feels like summer. Had to get one. Mm -hmm. What do you got yourself going on over there? Well, first of all, there's nothing that feels more like summer or like we're playing the worst nine holes of golf, like summer shandy up in the Midwest. So, so no, I miss it. Um, no, I, you know, I told you I'm in Iowa. So like, you know, of course I go to yeah. a, a staple California brew. It's a uh, delicious <laughs> IPA. So I'm trying to pretend I'm somewhere else. Drinking local. Yeah. And it's also <laughs> gluten reduced. So if you have a gluten sensitivity, nice. get down on it. If you're gluten intolerant, it'll kill you still. So don't do that. <laughs> I haven't had one of those in a long time. I should get back on that. Get back on that. Train. It's, it's but, good. Yeah. Dude, I'll tell you what, Jojo. This uh, this Shandy definitely makes me think of summer. It is summer. It's getting there regardless of, of me complaining about the weather and everything else. We know summer's coming. It's good for everybody's mental health. When I was on to introduce uh, season two a couple weeks ago, I talked about the idea of suicide rates spiking in the summer and just that pressure to do stuff. And so I hope that anybody listening tonight, uh, watching wherever you're, wherever you're checking us out, I hope you took uh, took notice of that. Check in on your friends. Check in on check in on your people. 
check in on yourself. We know that this can be a difficult time, but it's also a time that we can move through it and look forward to a lot of stuff. And, and I know, Jojo, you guys got a lot of stuff going on this summer. You and I got some stuff going on this summer. Just real quick, what are you looking forward to? Give me, give me something that you and I are going to do this summer that you're stoked about and something that you, you and the fam are going to do this summer that you're stoked about. Oh, yeah, man. Well, I mean, this summer, it's, it's great. I mean, you and I typically do a classic Chicago trip or we or late summer might get out of town and go west where the brew I'm drinking is brewed at. Uh, so That's looking right, forward yeah, to yeah, just maybe. catching up. It, you know, it, it's really important, too, because winter can feel really long. It can feel like just a drag. And a lot of us get caught up in trying to get through that. And so it's nice to put things on the calendar and be excited about. So excited to hang with you and buddies and and uh, keep that going. And then family-wise, man, just uh, probably take some time and uh, maybe go to Minnesota or not, nothing too crazy. Maybe take the kids to Western yeah. Michigan or something and it'll be fun. But uh, Perfect, yeah. man. I'll Looking forward to I mean, but like you said, though, you, you, you preface that suicide rates are, are up. Um, in, at the end of spring, and that's true. I think, um, you know, it's just it's just a real drag. It's hard on people, especially folks with seasonal affective issues, and okay. and really just trying to find a way to get through. Spring is really kind of a natural uh, shift in time for a lot of people, whether they know it or not. And it's it's um, unfortunately it's a time when people that have been dealing with a lot of serious things uh, get the energy to do something that might, like you said, lead to the suicide. Uh, rates that are higher, but also, yeah, for sure. you know, it, it's, it's a time where hopefully we have a chance to reflect and think about what, what are we trying to do with our lives? What's, what are we planning for and being excited and hopeful for down the road? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no doubt. And that's a good, that's a good segue to kick off this, this episode. So Jojo and I are just kind of freestyling tonight. We, we don't really have a specific topic, but one of the things that I did want to get into was for us to talk about what we're seeing and kind of some some current trends in in my practice and in the work that you're doing in, in your hospital and your health system and Jojo is if you guys don't remember director of outpatient behavioral health big hospital system does a lot of great work has a lot of great clinicians working for him and so we've seen some changes I know I have in my practice Joe I know you guys have from when the pandemic hit through the initial kind of early stages to the first couple of years of the pandemic and now that maybe we've moved away from it a little bit. I personally, my practice has changed significantly since 2020. And then again, it kind of morphed during the pandemic. And now I'm seeing people coming with a lot of different concerns than, than they have before. And so what are you seeing? What do you guys see in your health system? What kind of things do you think are some of these emerging trends or things that people are maybe showing up for to get some support recently in the last, let's say six months to a year for you guys, since we've maybe kind of started to move beyond the initial kind of shock and the initial settling into the pandemic and maybe coming out the other side in some ways and maybe uh, a sense of normalcy, whatever that means for, for a lot of people. Yeah. You know, it's, I think it's good. You know, like I don't, I don't want to be a total downer here, you know, on this podcast. I want us to be, you know, I want us to uplift and, and inspire people to, to think about their life. And, you want us to sing or do you a little dance? You do a little dance for you. can do that. You me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's what I'd love. But I mean, <laughs> dude, I will knock the Cupid shuffle out of the freaking park and you know, it. I've seen you do it in Wrigleyville. I know. I know. I was very <laughs> proud of you. And you're a Bruce fan. It sure. <laughs> yeah, it's going to happen. I'm going to do it again this year for sure. No, uh, no, no. So I always want to be positive, right? But, the, but there's a reality to what you and I are seeing. And a couple of things that we're seeing are, you know, people are really struggling coming out of the pandemic, uh, particularly children and uh, adolescents. 
we're seeing a 40% of, of adolescents, school-agers talking about feeling more hopeless and more sad than they had felt. Um, you know, a quarter of them at least feeling significantly depressed. And so you've got a quite, quite a bit going on there. Um, the acuity of folks coming into the emergency departments that are either suicidal or in a not, not great place that can't just be served in outpatient are um, really struggling. And uh, you see this trend kind of happening. And then in addition to, you know, from a, from a career vocational standpoint, I think a lot of people are questioning like, okay, what am I doing now? Like, what, what am I doing in my life? I've been doing this job and I got through the pandemic or I'm doing a new job and people just aren't feeling that fulfillment. There's something missing. So there's a lot of just a mixed bag of things going on where people are really struggling, having a hard time. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, and I definitely want to come back to that idea of, of people just feel, feeling stuck, maybe career wise or some of this more existential, like, does my life match up with where I thought it was going to be and the vision I had or the plan that I had at this point? Because that's been coming up a lot in my practice, too. Uh, just to touch on it quick, and we won't get into it too much, but the idea of children and adolescents and the struggle that we've seen and, and some of those numbers, I think, I think a lot of people have heard them, but if not, they're pretty shocking, you know, upwards of 40% or more of young people saying that in the last six months to a year have felt, you know, clinically depressed or this anxiety or, or suicidal ideation. Like those numbers are huge. When you think of that, like 40% and above, that's almost half our kids, you know, and that's, that's a huge number. And so I, I certainly, there's no doubt about that. You talk about, you know, Joan, you know, I was in schools for a long time. Everybody who listens to the podcast knows that. You talk about the missed years of education, social instruction, social engagement, all the things that are great about our school systems and the structure and the learning that goes on, not just the academic learning, relationship building, social engagement, all of that stuff. Kids missed out on that for a couple of years. And so we know that in schools that, you know, students, they're catching back up, but there has been a delay because they missed two years. And so I think we can catch up academically rather quickly. But when you're looking at almost two years of just completely missed for the most part, face-to-face -face social engagement and interaction and relationship development, and conflict resolution, all the things that go into a school system that we might not even think about if you're not in it every day. Those are things that I think are really impactful. And we're still trying to catch up on some of that stuff for a lot of our young people and trying to support them in ways. So that is a huge one. <clears throat> I've definitely seen that in my practice for sure. I know my teacher and school counselor friends have certainly been talking about that. Your wife is a teacher. I know that she's, she's experienced it. It's just the academic delay was, was significant. Learning online for a couple of years, we did the best we could as school staff. We, of course, but there's nothing like being in person and in person instruction, at least regularly. And so that academic piece is real. And I think we can catch up on that. And I think, think we've been working towards catching up on that. But what you and I do on the mental health side of things and the relationship kind of social side of things, I think that takes a while to catch up. I mean, that, that development is significant. And I think some of those delays and what not only young people, everybody, but especially young people who are developing those, those lack of social interactions and being in the, in the building and friendships and all of these things that happen that we don't really think about when we think about a school, that to me is playing such a huge role in this isolation and these development of depressive symptoms and anxieties and all of this stuff because we didn't get the real world experience that these young people are used to and, and we need to, to develop. Yeah, no, you bring up a good point. There's the lacking of socialization. There's a lacking of normalcy to education, which is completely different kids. And then the other part too is like mom and dad aren't okay either because though mom and dad are trying to balance all of this 
and teachers too. They're trying to balance all of this change and keep themselves well. And what we talk about in the work that we do with children and adolescents and families is that it takes, you know, it takes everybody to have a healthy uh, unit. And so when mom and dad aren't doing well, you, you mentioned the word support. You don't have the same support. Children and, and kids don't have the same support that they would have had before. And, mm-hmm. you know, we both work in the mental health field. Oftentimes we're kind of catching up. You know, we're trying to fix something or work on something after the problem has already happened. And that's what's going on, that mm-hmm. the support systems that help support resiliency and the individuals that, that are there typically to help uh, support children through really difficult times, they're struggling too. So it's it's just a mess across the board, I think, that we're seeing. And I, I'm sure that's yeah, same in your practice sure. too. Yeah, yeah. And so when you guys with the hospital systems, have you guys seen your rates of people presenting in crisis in ERs or wherever else? Have you seen those level back out after the pandemic initially hit? Have you seen them stay elevated? I know a lot of people who are reaching out to me, things have shifted a little bit, right? It's not maybe as much of everybody who reached out when the pandemic hit was crisis level, it seemed like. It was was pretty intense. I think that's leveled out in my practice a little bit. Things have shifted and we'll get into that. But are you guys still seeing pretty elevated levels of just the amount of people who are reaching out and ending up in ERs or wherever else for services in crisis? So the numbers, I think, have finally stabilized a bit. We saw, you know, during the pandemic, nobody went anywhere. And so Mm -hmm. everybody's locked down. So from, you know, 2020 through part of 2021, the, the crisis numbers that we saw presenting, whether mobile crisis or in the emergency departments were lower. And then as soon as things were lifted, you saw a huge spike. And that has finally leveled off. But again, the acuity, the level of impairment and sickness, whether it's substance or mental health, is has been off the charts. It's really, really difficult. Um, mm-hmm. So, and again, I, I all of us know that's that's a byproduct. That's part of it. I think the pandemic has has kind of lit the fuse and has forced some of that. Uh, what we see, yeah. um, the numbers are down, but the the acuity is certainly really high right now. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And we see it, excuse me, we see it just with our our numbers, right? I have people reach out every day who are telling me looking to get in to see a therapist in private practice. And they just, the wait is still incredibly long and it's still hard. Mm -hmm. And it's still, and and for most of us, it's, it's just, it feels like a losing battle. We, I'm full, try to refer you to someone else. They're full, try to refer you out. And so I know you guys are meeting a huge need in your community and, and the work you guys are doing, both with your inpatient, your outpatient programs and groups and stuff like that. And so it is, we all just, we have to work together and, and we talk about just like some of the things that we've seen with changes. And so obviously a lot of that with adolescents and children and young people, my practice has changed significantly since the pandemic hit. I used to pre-pandemic, and part of this is because I was a school counselor, I think too, and and that maybe maybe drove some people to me that way, but I had mostly high school and college students pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. probably 85%. Pandemic hit and everything paused and, and everybody had to take stock of where they were and what was going on. And it was chaos for everybody. And my practice shift to a lot of people reaching out who were in their late 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. That, that was not a part of my practice on, on the whole before that. And so my practice shifted pretty significantly. And now over the last three years, I have way less high school. I still have a lot of college students, way less high school students, but I have way more majority 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s than I ever had before. And one of the things and a big thing that people in that age bracket are reaching out for is not the traditional 
relationship kind of marriage or couples counseling. It's not the traditional, you know, depression or anxiety that, that a lot of people think of stereotypically when someone reaches out. A lot of people are reaching out in this age bracket with the more existential idea of like, you know what, the pandemic hit, we worked from home, the job market was crazy. So I didn't want to leave my job, although I wasn't sure I wanted to stay. But and now we're kind of back and we're back to in the office and more normalcy with work. And I realized over the last couple of years, I don't know that I want to be back to this anymore. I don't know that where I'm at in my career or just my life in general, more the existential, the vision I had for my life, maybe where I'm at or where I assess that I'm at in whatever area doesn't match up with where I thought that would be. And so it's this existential battle, this internal battle of like my life plan and what I thought versus where I feel like I am and what I'm doing. So people are struggling with that. And sometimes it's a, a career change they're looking at and feeling stuck. Sometimes it's a relationship or a marriage that isn't working. Sometimes it's a move. But I think that now we've gained some normalcy with people back in the office and a little bit more kind of stability with work. I'm seeing a lot of people who are like, man, now that we're back to that, I don't know that I'm ready for it. And I don't know if I'm where I'm at is where I want to be in life and all of that stuff. I'm seeing that a lot. Right. No, we are too. And and I think, you know, it's kind of interesting. A lot of us are kind of, we go on autopilot in our days. And prior to the pandemic, yeah. we would just go to work. We would eat our breakfast. We, you know, go to work. We'd, you know, do our thing and come home. And I think the pandemic did a really interesting thing. I think it forced us to pause for a second. And actually people were able to reflect and think about, okay, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing in my life? And uh -huh. wait a second, does this really fit with who I am and what I want to do? And I think we're seeing a ton of that, Mitch. Um, uh -huh. One of the things that, you know, like if you think about, you know, our, you know, fathers and people in, in psychology, you know, Freud always talks about people are driven by pleasure, right? Yeah. And Adler talks about, oh, I'm really driven by wanting to have control and superiority and, mm -hmm. and that control. Mm -hmm. um, when you think about like people from an existential standpoint, Frankel and those guys, they mm -hmm. really talk about, I need meaning. I need to do something that, that means something to me in my life. And I think yeah. to your point, when you're starting to see more people in their thirties, forties, fifties question, okay, what am I doing here? What does this, in what I doing, does it really hold value? Do, is do it, what I do every day? Does it matter? You know, people, mm -hmm. people that just want to earn a paycheck just to, you know, take care of the family. That's very important. But I think we're really, and maybe we're really blessed in the fact that we can think about, okay, what I do not only feeds my family, but what does it mean in the end? Like, what am I doing that helps, sure. that helps do, you know, what's my lasting imprint on life? Is it, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, whatever the various things that we do, I'm, 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 I'm steaming coats and I, and, and I, and I work and do dry cleaning or, or I, I, yeah. I watch, you know, I went through a car today or I wash a car and I can make it look fantastic. Mm -hmm. and I feel fulfilled. Like, I guess the question, mm -hmm. the existential question is like, whatever you do, but does it give you a sense of meaning and purpose? And I think a lot of people are, are kind of looking back inside themselves wondering, does it like what, what I do? Does it, yeah. does it matter? Yeah. Well, two things. One, did you drop all those names because you wanted to fucking show off to everybody listening to the podcast? No. Oh, Victor Frankel and Freud and oh man, look at me. Well, I, <laughs> I'm just over here dropping that, psychology that, nuggets. That, that, is, that is surface level, man. No, I no. <laughs> Ask me any more questions about those guys. I have no idea. But the, but that was the seriously, Mitch. I mean, that, that's the basis. You know, you know that Freud's like everybody wants to have pleasure and sex. Yeah. 
Lurie, he's all about. I know. But but for, but Victor <laughs> Frankel, he's a guy who, um, you know, really believed that you know he, he, the guy spent time in a concentration camp. I mean, yeah. he really he yeah. really had time to reflect on his life and values. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, and, and and you speak it, and it's right. And this idea of like fulfillment, my sister Holly and I in an episode uh, in the first season talked a lot about that with young people and the people she's working with on a college campus. And and I think one of the things you spoke to it like doesn't necessarily matter what you're doing for a career or a job if if you're finding this balance, right? This balance in life that I, do I feel fulfilled? Do I have things that fill my cup? Everybody's got the hard stuff. We all we all go through it, right? But it's these. Do I have relationships? Do I have experiences? Do I have, and to me, it's like, it doesn't matter if it's the job and the career that's really fulfilling you and adding to your life, or if it's a job and a career that you don't necessarily love, but it allows you to do the other things that fill your cup and make you feel fulfilled. So maybe I don't love what I'm doing, but that paycheck or that job is a means to an end, which allows me to live in a way that really is fulfilling outside of work. And it feels like it's in balance, right? I can, I can handle that job because I'm in balance outside of work and it really allows me to do it. Or I love that job and it is what I want to do and it is fulfilling. So I think that's what it comes down to is this idea of balance and this idea of like what what really is the intersection of where you are, where you want to go and how do you get there, right? And that to me is an important part of what's going on for people where it's like, hey, if you're if you're not feeling this fulfillment, A, this life vision that you had, maybe that's not matching up with where you feel like you currently are, well, whose expectations are those, right? They're yours. They're your own expectations. And that's a big note is like, do you adjust your expectations? Is that okay? Do you give yourself grace to adjust your expectations or are you holding yourself to a standard that if you're not there right now, was that a standard that you didn't need to try to meet in the first place, right? So this idea of expectations and this idea of the intersection between where I'm at and where I feel like I should be or where I want to go is an important conversation when it comes down to this feeling stuck or feeling unfulfilled or existentially, I just like, I don't know what it's all for. Those are really important things to explore. It's like, we have choice here. And I know a lot of times it feels like we don't because of certain situations or, or whatever, right? Our lots in life and, and all, there's a whole host of things that go into choice and, and differences in choice between people that, that we have, socioeconomic race, et cetera, et cetera. But the idea of if I'm feeling stuck or I'm feeling unfulfilled or I'm feeling like this is just not where I thought I would be in life, at this age or at this point, then the question is like, well, who you decided that. So you have the power to change that or the power to make changes to, to get to that and close that gap. Right. And that to me is a big part of this conversation. You know, Joe, I'm 40 now, you know that, and, and you're in your late thirties. Like we're, we're starting to get to that age and we're at that age where everybody knows, like a lot of people go through, what do you call it? A midlife crisis or awakening or a reflection or whatever. But this is the idea of, where are you at and where do you want to go and what are your expectations and what can you do to either adjust them or to close the gap between expectation and reality? I think that's a big part of the conversation. Yeah, you make a great point, man. And, and uh, I think society puts so much damn pressure on us to, to feel like we should know. And the truth is, I don't think anybody really knows. We're all just kind of going through it together in different paths, different ways. Um, and you, you brought up a great point, Mitch, that you can't, if this is this is at the root. I don't know if you if like in your practice you are a very existential guy or you think about that with your with your clients and people you work with. But you can't uh, most most things in our life we can't control. The only thing we can control is how we think about and how we 
try to to view what is happening to us. We can't control life in, sure. in totality. The one thing we can do is choose to how we think about it and how we choose to react to it. And that in itself should be a lot of ownership to know ah, I can I can do something about it. Even if, even if I feel like I'm at the most desperate point in my life, I can still control certain aspects of my life with how I think and, and react. For sure. Um, for sure. And I think that's where people are at, right? Like that's where people are mm-hmm. hopefully going to get to where they believe that, you know, I, I don't have to be stuck in this rut. I don't have sure. to do exactly what society tells me I believe I should. Money isn't the answer to everything, right? It's good. It helps put food in your in your belly and uh, get you on a trip or have a delicious beer or yeah. you know whatever. Like you know, those are that's great. Those are great things, but it's not the it's not the end all be all. You have to be satisfied. You have to reflect and be satisfied with with what you're doing and and how you contribute and what that means to you when you think about it. And I think it's important. Like if you're feeling stuck. The idea of momentum and positive momentum, right? Like, and whether it's a whiteboard or it's the notes app on your phone or you go old school and <laughs> grab a fucking pen, like the idea of daily intention about changing this situation, right? So I feel stuck and I feel like I don't know what it's all for, whether it's my job or it's where I'm at in life or it's relationships or whatever. I just feel like, ah, I'm, I don't feel like I have a purpose or a meaning or I really want to change my situations and my circumstances identify it, right? Like, what is it? What is really contributing? Because I think that's one of the hard parts about like existentialism is if I feel a certain way, can I identify really what it is that's contributing? So I think sometimes we just feel it's like, ah, I don't just have this feeling that I'm not where I want to be in life. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to identify what's contributing to that. So that to me is like the unpacking that needs to happen first. It's like, what is it about life that's really contributing to that? And so if I can start to identify some concrete things in my life, that are contributing this more abstract feeling, then shit, I can start to work towards changing those things. Even if it's small, I understand we can't change a job right away or maybe end a relationship right away or work to improve a relationship or whatever, right? But on my whiteboard or my notes app every day, even if it's, you know what? Today, I just activated my body more and got out for a walk. And on that walk, I really started to think about what was really contributing to this and started to formulate some steps to actualize this plan. Anything small is all you have to start to do to start to build some momentum. And then what does that do? It gives you an idea or uh, I think at least an option of choice, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm starting to get some choice back. I'm thinking about this. I'm starting to actively work towards it. That choice leads to control. Now I start to feel like maybe I know this is going to be a process. Maybe I can't. And none of this happens overnight. That's the thing about therapy. It takes a while. But if I start to unpack what's contributing to this feeling of being stuck or, or just no purpose or not measuring up or no meaning. If I can identify specifics, I can start to work on those specifics. Even if it's going to take a long time, the time's going to pass anyways. And so if I write it down every day, guess what? Something is going to start to break with this momentum and I'm going to start to make some moves and hopefully start to find some meaning, start to expand, step outside my box, look for other ways. We are in the situations that we are right now, right? You're not going to change that. Where you're at currently is is where you are. But where you're going can absolutely be changed. And I think a lot of times people don't believe it can. But you have to be willing to do the work to get there. And that's, I think, a big part of the work that I've been doing with some people for sure. And I hope that it's paying off for them. And I hope that it's helpful. And that's the way I approach my own stuff. And I think you do too. And I think a lot of people just have a hard time with this idea of like, I don't see the end yet. So I can't even start with the small rocks. And that to me is the biggest part. Yeah, no, exactly. And I, I think 
exactly what you're talking about is that you're trying to encourage people to actively do something different, to challenge how they've been going down a path. Yeah. Um, I also think that we have to acknowledge too, Mitch, that that feeling um, of, you know, that lost feeling, that feeling of, uh, I hate to use like, a, you know, like uh, Back to the Future, Marty McFly. Oh, Doc, <laughs> Doc, that's heavy. That's a heavy feel. And like, that's a, like, I can feel, like, I think about how that feels, right? And you think about it for a second, that feels like, I feel that in my chest and in my gut, that feeling of despair. Yeah, no shit, for that's sure. an awful feeling. So, like, part of that, I think, from a therapeutic perspective is acknowledging that feeling, validating, yeah, that's a that's a real feeling. And also not making it seem like it's this abnormal thing either. I think a lot of us feel that way, but we get stuck in a thought pattern that keeps us in there too. In your practice, you really help try to activate people to do things that actively work them in a different direction, which I think is really good. So I think validating that feeling and then activating different behavior that helps spark some different positivity or some validation on you know, doing something different, which, which can be really hard to do when you feel, you know, Oh, whoa, doc, that's heavy. Like this feels <laughs> like that's a, that's a tough thing to break. Um, Dude. It's true. And this is that like this, <laughs> this idea of like our own limiting beliefs. I know I've talked about it on, on episodes before, but we are the center of our own universe. Right. And when that universe feels like it's small and it's predictable and it's, I just don't, I don't love it. It's unhappy. It's unfulfilling. But that's it, right? Like it's hard to see outside of that. And I think that's one of the things I try to help people do is like we all have our own silos and our own tunnel vision and our own limiting beliefs about where we're at and where we can go. And we only know what we know, right? Like that is my lived experience right now. I'm the center of my own universe and all I know is this shit sucks and I don't want to be here anymore. But I can't see outside of these walls or outside of these limiting beliefs. Yeah. And that tunnel vision to me is one of the biggest things that we work on knocking down and just giving yourself a chance, right? Like. Who cares? Like no one's judging it. You're the one whose expectation and has the feeling that you don't want to be where you're at. So that means you have control. Let's knock that shit down and figure out what we can do to step outside of this belief or these silos and just who cares where we start. It's something. It's something. And that's how we build momentum. And I think that's a big part. You mentioned me trying to activate clients and get some, how do we actualize these plans? Well, we can't do shit until we actually know what's contributing to the feeling. And that to me, that existential feeling is tough to pinpoint. It's we all been in relationships where we're like, I don't know, something just doesn't seem right or it seems off or the chemistry is not there, but I can't pinpoint it or a job or a, ah, I live in this city and I don't know why it's a great city. I just don't. But we have to narrow that down and drill down to it and then to be able to start building and working from there. And there's no doubt that we can change situations. It might not be overnight, might not be in six months, but we can definitely change where we're at versus where we want to go if we're willing to take the time and put in the work. Yeah, no, you bring a uh, great point. I think I think a lot of people do want to make a change. I also want to make a note for people that might be listening and thinking, dealing with the same thing is like, um, I think our expectations about what something should be is oftentimes different than what reality is, right? Relationships, yeah. like I expect yeah. it to be this way and I feel like it's not. Well, mm -hmm. maybe that's because our expectations is BS, like it's not real. About yep. about work, about relationships, and that we create a picture in mind of what something should be, but in reality, it's not this picture perfect. And actually, mm -hmm. sometimes when we think about it, trying to we try to force it to be something different makes it yeah. more. It, it creates more anxiety for everybody involved too. When sometimes you can take mm -hmm. a step back and reframe it: work, life, yeah. relationships. 
expectation what people are who who people really are and just and you can feel better about it um but again the other point too you like you said you sometimes we need to activate ourselves to do something different entirely to to get to a different point and i think that's really important to acknowledge yeah and i think for you know kind of final final thoughts on this is I think a lot of people at specific ages, especially, I think there's that weight, like you're kind of speaking to this expectation, but I think there's this weight of it's too late for me, or, well, I've been in this career for too long and I can't go to a different career, or I've been in this relationship for too long and I can't get out. I'll never find anybody else. Or, you know, like I feel stuck because I've missed my chance. And, and I think that that's a really, really prevalent and I think it's real. I think we can acknowledge that. This, it just feels like I missed it. It feels like I can't. But I think a lot of that comes from fear. And I think a lot of that comes from the idea of I don't believe in myself or my ability to make this change or the unknown. As much as I, I don't love what I got going on, the unknown of if I miss my chance or if I get out of this relationship or if I leave this job, is it going to be worse? Did I completely fuck myself over? Whatever. That to me is what that is. It's this idea of there's a fear base from that. And I get it. And that makes sense. And I think all of us go through it. But it's this pressure of I'm a certain age and I feel like I missed my chance. And this is just how it's going to be. And I just have to settle into this shitty feeling of never being able to change anything because now I'm 30, 40, 50, 60, 70. And you know what? That to me, I mean, I don't want to be be crass with it, but like that's bullshit. We can do it. It's scary. And it takes a lot and I get it and I feel it and we all do, but you have to believe that you can change and believe that there is something else beyond those walls or this silo that we have of our vision if you want to attempt to do it. And that to me is a big part of it is this idea of you didn't miss your chance. You may be older than you wanted to be when you're making changes. You may be fearful of what comes next. You maybe think you can't do it. You maybe think you're going to fail, but all of those things are options which means you have choice and control if you're willing to look at it that way. Absolutely. There's no finality unless you believe that it's final. And if you believe exactly. that you have a path forward, that's you, you have a chance. One last thought just from me on this topic is, you know, I've been around a lot of uh, super bright people, leaders and, and people that work in all different backgrounds. And again, I just want to reemphasize that nobody truly has it all mastered. Nobody has the, the final answer to it. Everybody has self-doubt. Every And I think the most important thing is that we rely upon each other and other people around us to help shape and make sure we understand uh, from, and I'm saying from a healthy, hopefully you have very healthy people to help you do that. Sure. Um, understand what reality is and understand where we're going. But, you know, leaders never, it's not like everybody's, you know, you look at people sometimes, especially when you're feeling down, like, oh God, they have it all figured out. They have life perfect. And that's not true. Everybody else is, everybody has self-doubt. And we, a lot of us mm-hmm. make it till we make it. And it's not like, a, I think it's important for people to know that. It's not like, it's so easy and people skate on by in life, you know, and, and <laughs> yeah. you know, exactly. it's not, I mean, some people, it seems that way, but I think life is hard for everybody. Some people show it differently. And, and I think everybody has self-doubt at times too. Absolutely. And so if you're listening to this episode, which I hope you are, I hope you're still with us. We're going to wrap it up soon. Any of these topics tonight, the idea of going back to suicide rates, so maybe not feeling the spring and the weather, or the idea of can I find my way through the pandemic, or where am I at, or this existential stuff that Joe and I are talking about. If you guys are feeling any of this, concerned about anybody else, reach out. There's mental health therapists everywhere, every state. Jojo, him and his team do a great job. I have my practice. I can help refer. Reach out. 
talk to people about this stuff. We're not just here making you lay on a couch while we sit in a comfy chair and I wear a cardigan and tell you some shit. We can actually help. <laughs> and I do wear a cardigan sometimes. <laughs> you got to show me your cardigan. <laughs> I will. It's, it's a great one. It's actually a Wisconsin Badger one, Joe, so you probably want to wear it. I'll wear, I'll wear it. I'll wear it and then throw it in the fire. It's a warm-up. <laughs> I, love the, I, I love the Hawkeyes hat that you're wearing. Yeah, you gotta uh, you I don't want to get into it too much because I know it's a touchy subject, but I hear your boys and girls just got in a little bit of trouble with uh, – Little online betting, gambling, JoJo. You want to jump into that, or should we stay away from you it? Know, You're not as pure and clean as those Wisconsin Badgers. Well, you know, I'm going to jump right to the fact that uh, you know it's, it's Mental Health Awareness Month. I, I felt really down, but tonight the Cubs dropped ten runs on the Cardinals at home. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to scale yes. on that. That's a good feeling. I'll take that. Makes us all makes us all happy. That's right. And I got to say, for anybody watching, uh, people are going to wonder what my shirt is. Uh, <laughs> what is that? This shirt is. This shirt is IDFM uh, from Prairie Farm, Wisconsin, P Farm, uh, my hometown, population 508. IDFM was the name of a softball team in like the late 80s, early 90s-ish, somewhere in there. My Uncle Jay played. Uh, my buddy Pedro gave me this shirt because I've always wanted an IDFM shirt. They were legendary growing up. They were the slow-pitch softball champs all the time. And <laughs> everybody always wonders what it means. And so the, the short story is... Couldn't come up with a team name. Someone said, dude, it don't fucking matter. And they became IDFM after that. <laughs> and they're like legendary back home. And so I'm super stoked to be wearing the shirt. Pedro, thanks for letting me borrow from you, buddy. And uh, you know what? Sometimes that's just another another takeaway. It's like, you know what? Sometimes everything feels so heavy. It's so, so much going on, so much stress, so much pressure. Dude, sometimes it just doesn't fucking matter. Enjoy it. Ride the wave. Lean into it. What do you think of that, Joe? Yeah, I'd say, you know, for this month, for Mental Health Awareness Month, I, I thought when I saw it, hashtag, I do fucking matter. And so, so <laughs> that's, that's actually, you know, let's, let's get that trending somewhere. I, I, I love that, dude. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jojo. I know we're going to see each other soon, hopefully here in uh, a month, maybe under a month. Yeah. We got our big guys trip where we're going out to LA in a couple months. Summer's going to be great. Can't wait to see you, dude. Uh, we'll come back in, in a couple of weeks. I know you guys, I told you I'd do these weekly. No chance. Life is too busy. Joe, I do want to talk about how we balance life. We talked about some of that stuff, feeling stuck or whatever, a lot going on. How do we balance life? How do you stay happy and fulfilled? How do you do work? You got work and, and direct reports and kids and all kinds of stuff. I got to practice. I think a lot of people feel that pressure of staying in balance. How do I stay happy? How do I stay healthy? Want to talk about that in some episodes and want to get into a whole bunch of shit. You and I are going to do these pretty consistently. I'm, I'm pretty down because the Brewers are playing shitty and the Bucks lost and, you know, my apartment smells, but whatever. Life is good. All is good. Pirates are in first place. That's, that's a, that's a real bad omen this year. <laughs> Anybody listening in St. Louis, all that really matters is how bad the cards are playing right now. As a Cubs fan and a Brewers fan, if you don't like either of us because of that, you probably don't want to tune in <laughs> to any other episodes <laughs> if the cards keep playing like shit all year. Uh, so, JoJo, dude, thanks for coming. I will see you soon. I love you, buddy. Love you too, Everybody man. watching, listening, give JoJo a hand. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us, Joe. Thanks for coming, dude. Thanks for having me, buddy. All right, guys, take care. Episode two, season two. You don't look like a therapist. We're on our way. It's Mox, and I'm out.